Mamas on a Mission is a podcast bringing you bold and ambitious women. Grab a coffee and let's meet Melbourne mamas who are showing the world and their kids that the mission is possible. I'm your host, Holly, the Chief Mama of Motherhood Melbourne. Hey, Mama. Thanks for coming back to hang out with me. It means the world that you care about supporting Melbourne mums that are out there helping other mums. Seriously, you're awesome. If you're digging this podcast, it'd be really fab if you could leave a review. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, previously known as iTunes, or Stitcher or some other platform, it would make my day. By leaving some kind words in a review, it helps other Melbourne mums find this podcast. So then you would also be helping another mama out. Now today, I'm speaking with a very ambitious mama. Catherine Brooks has worked as a lawyer for 11 years and is an accredited specialist in employment law. Impressive, right? But the reason I want you to hear from Catherine is because she's written a book that you need to read. Yep, it's called Let's Talk About Work, Baby. It's designed to help parents better negotiate flexible work that is right for their jobs and their families. Catherine is on a mission to help you as a parent enjoy the benefits of flexible work by better understanding your legal obligations, rights, and entitlements when it comes to working flexibly. Today, Catherine chats about the main challenges that women are facing when returning to work and provides some really practical tips. She also shares why she felt inspired to write this book and also gives insights into the process. Let's meet Catherine. Hello, Catherine. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. How much fun. I know. I'm really, really excited to talk about Let's Make It Work, Baby. I love the title. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Came, I think I was singing a song to my toddler and (laughs) I thought about it. So it was better than my first one, which was how to have your cake and baby and eat it too. And everyone said, oh, no, you can't eat a baby. (laughs) Yeah, I think this one works much better. But but before we get into that, I really want to ask you some five quick questions. Yes. Okay, awesome. Uh, The most important for a Melbourne mum, what is your coffee order? I now have a flat white because my husband told me it has slightly more coffee in it than a latte. Well, I guess less milk in it than a latte. Um, But I wasn't able to have coffee for this second pregnancy. I've only just started being able to have it again and I am loving it. So yeah, try and stick to about two max a day, but um, Mm -hmm. a flat white is my order. Awesome. And where are you drinking this flat white? What cafe do you love to hang out in? Our favourite cafe is called Cherry and Twig and they're in Downey Street in the city. And the reason why we love it, they do have fantastic coffee, but the people there are just so lovely and they always absolutely treasure and honour our little one. And um, it's also at the bottom of the apartment where my nana lives and where my parents live. So it obviously has really nice connotations attached to it as well. Yeah. Oh, and it's great when you get great service with it too. Yeah. They give him. They give my son a little... Um, container of white chocolate is oh. so, so lucky. <laughs> how we go. So he loves it <laughs> yeah you gotta keep the kids happy that's the main yeah. thing that's great and what about um what's your favorite family friendly place to go out to I am obsessed in the Melbourne Museum I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you've been there yet but there's a new I think it was something like 25 million dollar um, um establishment that they they created which is a children's for under fives mm-hmm. and it's a new it's I think it's called the 
um, oh, it's a children's gallery mm-hmm. and um, Pauline Gandal um, donated a huge amount of money to build this amazing resource. And so ever since Remy was born, we have spent absolute hours there. And obviously if your child is over five, there's an amazing bugs exhibit and dinosaur exhibit. So it's just, it's just fantastic. And it's only like $75 for a whole family annual pass. So for us, that's well worth it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, museums, our go-to. Do you know, actually, uh, when I had my second bub, they, I got a membership when I went to the maternal health nurse. So they give you a yes. six month membership. Yes. They did that for all babies born in 2017, oh, which was so okay. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's oh. amazing. Yeah, so I hope, and you know, I think it's really great to see so many different cultures there, and it exposes mm-hmm. children to so many different, um, like tactile and sensory things. And from a parent that just wants to sit and watch their child play and <laughs> nice coffee, it's a really good place to go. <laughs> yeah, and have a museum where you can touch things and you don't have to stress out. <laughs> Exactly, and they can run over everything. Yeah, yeah really. And it's inside and outside, which for Melbournians, it's just been so cold. So exactly, yeah. that's what you yeah. want. <laughs> um, okay, so what's your current binge at the moment? So whether that's a TV show, podcast, or book, what are you into? Okay, well, every single night I listen to podcasts, so I'm obsessed mm. in podcasts. But most of them are from the legal fraternity, so I won't bore okay. your non-lawyers with that. But the book that um, my husband and I are currently obsessed with is called The Barefoot Investor, and I'm sure many ah. of your listeners know it. But yeah. we're sort of obviously um, being a lawyer, I earn not bad money, but we're pretty hopeless with our finances. And the <laughs> book, which we actually downloaded as an audible book, and then I went out and bought the hard copy as well because we just loved it so much. And it just sets out really simple stuff that you can action straight away and not just for you but also how you can set up things for your kids. So I absolutely loved that because we weren't quite sure whether to set up a separate bank account for Remy, our son, or um, and, and sort of Barefoot Investor talks about how you can actually invest in shares on behalf of your children and just makes it really simple. So my yeah, big binge at the moment is Barefoot Investor listening to this audible um book over and over again it's great oh that's awesome uh my husband went out and bought that but I haven't read it he just goes yeah I think we're doing most of these things and I was like okay (laughs) end of chat (laughs) well you guys are on to it then we're obviously we're obviously a bit um behind the game (laughs) either that or he didn't actually read the book I'm not too sure (laughs) well delve into it and have a look I yeah I really liked it I will I will thank you for that and what about your simple self-care ritual what do you what's something that you do for yourself look I that what I've written next to your notes that you provided with me with (laughs) me with I actually work I actually think for me, and I know there'll be a lot of people out there that say that's not self-care, but for me, I love coming into the office. I obviously work flexibly, so I do do work from home. But for me, it's such a joy and a privilege to leave behind the house, leave behind the domestics, leave behind the childcare and responsibilities, and even leave behind my role as a wife and just be able to come to <laughs> the office. And every single day when I'm in the office, I actually have lunch with my brother who I work with. And I just think that's my... Mm self-care ritual because I can just unload on him and we talk about things completely unrelated to children and yeah I think it's a real privilege to be in the office and work with the people I get to work with so that's kind of my self-care and I know I need to get my 
crap in order to do more but at the moment <laughs> at the moment I work and that's no. myself and I love it <laughs> yeah no, and I think that's really great to hear um because you know that saying that you don't work a day in your life if you love what you do and mm. even just last night I was saying the same thing to my husband I said I actually really love it like I love doing this I enjoy it I don't feel like it's work um and you know it is hard for me to sit down and switch off because I don't want to switch off. I'm like, no, I'm just really excited. and I want to do all the things. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. And you're just giving, you're just giving all the time. So, you know, that's even more amazing. And that's probably why, like, I really do believe in that whole, you know, you've got to give to receive. And when, because you're giving, you're probably receiving so much, which is awesome. But oh. thank you on behalf of all Melbourne mothers. <laughs> Holly, you're doing an amazing job. And I just love, I love watching you when you do your little live chats when you're running <laughs> or... <laughs> Zoo the other day and it's just yeah. so reliable and yeah so thanks for your work it's amazing oh my goodness and anyone listening I didn't pay her to say this but I'm blushing I'm glad we're not doing video so <laughs> all right let's get into it because I yeah I do want to sing your title like how did you sing it to your toddler Oh, you know that I song. Actually, um, you know that song. What's the one about sex? It's, it's is it? Like, I, yeah. I was thinking that when that's I that's the one that was like, in my head. Let's talk about sex, baby. baby. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was in my car the other day, and I that's what I thought. I was like, I wonder if she named it after that. She probably didn't. She probably like I'm just making this up. But oh no, my, I totally, I totally got the inspiration from that. And obviously, it was probably not appropriate for me to be singing that to my son. So I probably changed the words, which yeah. meant. Somehow it came to let's make it work, baby. baby. And I thought, well, that's kind of that's kind of linking because we're all trying to make it work, and it's <laughs> it's meant to be a guide for new parents. So it will have a baby, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the story. So um, yes, yeah, so that's probably how I came up with the title. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so can you let's go back and talk mm-hmm. about what were you actually doing before you wrote the book, um, and how did the idea come about? Mm-hmm. So obviously I'm an employment lawyer, but I actually represent the employer. So my job before I had a baby was to assist employers with flexible work requests and in particular when they wanted to reject a request or when they were concerned about if we reject it, are we going to get a discrimination claim, etc. And so I guess before I had a baby myself, I'd seen a whole range of flexible work requests and because I'm an employment lawyer, people would often refer their friends of friends of friends to me and I spend a lot of time doing sort of pro bono work, just helping other women out. But I felt really uncomfortable doing that because I hadn't actually experienced it myself, having a baby and working flexibly. Mm -hmm. So I actually set up a Facebook group called Help a Sister Out and it's now got over 8,000 women that are members on that group and it's meant to be a platform where people can ask anonymous or you know, on the record questions mm-hmm. about their career or work. And because it's women, it obviously extends a bit further than just <laughs> career and work because everything's involved with that. But um, mm-hmm. so women started posting on Help a Sister Out around questions about flexible work and how to return and top tips. And I'd approve the post because I still monitor the um, Facebook group. Mm-hmm. But by the time I got home and I could actually look at the post, there'd be like six answers where lots of other women had given like great tips and varying views and I thought oh this is amazing because I don't even have to sort of you know help out or I would only help out if it was a very employment specific Mm -hmm. um, legal query and so because I guess I'd set that group up and been involved I sort of had a good idea of what the questions were that women were having around 
flexible work and rights and entitlements. And I sort of got a better sense that I feel like there's a lot of resources out there, but it's probably because I do this work that I can access those resources and I know where they are online. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I actually got asked by one of the women on that group to go and speak to their mother's group. And it really was a mother's group. There were 100% women. Um, And it was in in Port Melbourne. Um, And so I took Remy on my day off and we, we went to Port Melbourne. And when I turned up, out of the seven women present, four were lawyers and I said to them what am I doing here like you know I feel a bit superfluous and they said no even we can't work out what are our rights entitlements obligations Mm. and they were actually working for some really big um, commercial organizations like for example inside um, a health insurance provider Mm -hmm. and they were being really jerked about by their employers and I thought well I've got there's got to be a better way to get this information out there and I don't want to just spend my one day off traipsing around Melbourne, you know, trying to share this information. So what I'll do is I'll write an FAQ sheet. And so every night, because my son wouldn't sleep in a cot, he would only sleep on me, oh. I would get on <laughs> yeah, I would get onto my um thank goodness for smartphones. I'd get onto my <laughs> smartphone just in the using the notes section and I just started writing this FAQ sheet which turned into a book. And then I thought, well, it's so big now I actually have to do myself. I don't want to do it for service. I actually have to do this properly. Um, and so I paid for an editor, paid for a graphic designer, and, yeah, that's how the book came about. So it's really exciting to have launched it in June and for now to have you know be out there in the world. Oh, absolutely. Congratulations on that. That is an amazing story. And yes, <laughs> how much, isn't it great just so much you can get done on your phone when you've got a baby attached to you? It's amazing. Like I rarely even open up my laptop when I'm at home. I just... And the team here at, at, at the law firm that I work at, they know everything has to be sent through in a format that I can read on my phone because I just hate <laughs> opening my laptop. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Um, so can you go into a bit more detail what the book is about? So what would people find in there and what it is you really hope to achieve with it? Yeah, sure. So I guess, you know, I'm very conscious that I've only had one child and I'm pregnant with the second, but I'm no by no means a parenting expert. My expertise is in employment law. I'm actually an accredited specialist in workplace relations, but when it comes to parenting, I'm still very much working my own crap out. So it's not about parenting. It's about, um, I guess, using my experience as an employment lawyer, particularly representing employers, um, so that I can sort of share the stories about what I've seen hasn't worked to help people learn from other people's mistakes and not make them again and then I guess using now my newfound experience of actually working flexibly myself um, to try and yeah share the stories and the joys and um, you know how people can make it work and then um, I was also very conscious that I'm a um, you know white affluent um, you know top of top end worker kind of thing so Mm -hmm. I interviewed a whole range of different people for the case studies so um Basically, chapter one talks about before you even become pregnant, so things that you might need to know about discrimination because we do know that, particularly for women, you get you do get asked, you know, when are you going to, if you're getting married, yeah. when are you going to have a baby and mm-hmm. sort of how to deal with those questions and how to respond and what to do if you do think you're being discriminated against. Mm-hmm. And then chapter two talks about how to actually announce your pregnancy, so tips, and this is for both men and women, how to think about announcing the pregnancy um, of you or your partner and um, chapter three we talk about working during pregnancy so what are the laws around that mm-hmm. because sometimes a lot of the requests that I do see um, you know women particularly women that um, are going to be the 
um, the stay-at-home parent, particularly in those first three to six months, they know that they will have some capacity to do some work. So there are laws around that. Um, and then also we talk about, um, I talk about planning for maternity leave, so before you actually go. And then Chapter 4, we talk about, I talk about flexible work arrangements, so what does that actually mean and what are your rights um, and how you can really start the conversation very early to, you know, get the best possible outcome. Mm-hmm. And then Chapter 5, I talk about parental leave. So I've called it the joy, the heartache and the vulnerability because I found <laughs> it, like, it was the best three months ever of my life, but it was also really hard and um Chapter 6 then t- talks about returning to paid work <laughs> um, and how you can kind of manage that. And then um, obviously Chapter 7 I talk about when the employment relationship turns sour because that's obviously something I get the most amount of calls about where people say, well, I haven't been able to negotiate flexible work, I've returned and it's all just, you know, turning sour, what should I do? So I've put there some, lots of strategies and tips and, you know, as an employment lawyer, particularly representing employers, my first approach is never to just sue your employer. Um, so mm-hmm. I talk about a lot of strategies and like negotiation tips before you have to get to that part. But then also, if you do feel the need to litigate, what your options are. Mm-hmm. And then um, in chapter eight, I actually set out why work at all because it was something that I really struggled with um, returning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote myself a list of the pros and cons, like, you know, what are the benefits to me and my family and my child for working and what are the cons of working because there are downsides to everything. And mm-hmm. um, it, I found that list really useful for me to make the decision to return to work. And whilst I didn't particularly enjoy it when I first came back, I really love it now. So I'm glad I didn't throw it all in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then finishing off, I just put in like a whole range of case studies. So I talked, I got really cool stories from like a single mom. Um, a stay-at-home dad, a same-sex couple. So I tried to sort of make it as broad and varied as possible. Um, and then I put in as many, in Chapter 11, I put in as many resources as I could because, as I said, I think there is a huge amount out there online and I didn't want to mm. reinvent the wheel because um, that's just ridiculous. So I just put in a huge amount of links and resources and further reading and, um, yeah, lots of other stuff that um, particularly for um, dads that they could download so like tech resources that are coming out um yeah so that's that's a summary of the book I try to include sort of the life cycle <laughs> no I, lo- I was just gonna say I like the cycle of it um because especially you know I think sometimes people think oh I just need to think about this after I've had the baby and when I'm returning to work but there's mm. a lot of planning before that and you're right about it's really difficult if you're not working in that space where to find that information um because I'm not sure if you're aware but when I was pregnant the first with my first son I had actually resigned from my job on the Monday and accepted a role at a new workplace and on the Friday found out I was pregnant and I just didn't know what to do like I was like do I need to tell them like I feel you know I feel really icky about this and I it made me quite anxious but at the same time I was like we're not even telling our family and I don't want to tell yeah. a stranger that I haven't actually even really worked with or met or have a relationship with before I even tell my own mum. So yeah. it was just so hard to find information because I didn't want to do anything illegal either. I was like, am I going to get into mm. trouble for this? Um, but, okay. you know, <laughs> it worked out well. Like it worked out. Luckily I had such a really understanding manager and workplace. Um, and, of course, you know, that's just the irony of it that, you yeah, know, and you can't really plan for a baby. It just happens that 
times that you don't Absolutely. even know. Yeah, it was and, and like I'd often do get employers calling me and saying, mm. you know, I feel lied to that she didn't tell me. And I say, well, actually we're all on an even playing field as employers. Mm. Every single employer in Australia has to accommodate someone's right to go and have a child and to return to work. And we as employers can't choose when that happens. So like as in, and we as humans can't even choose when it happens when they're no. going to fall pregnant. So, you know, I just basically say to them, they haven't lied to you. It's um, something that we all have to deal with and manage. And, yeah, it's a, it's a two-way responsibility, but, you know, I think there's no obligation on you. The law actually says that you don't need to tell your employer until 10 weeks prior to taking the leave, and I always I tell know. them that one. I know, <laughs> I know. That's you can hide it. <laughs> Exactly. So yeah. I just be seven along. Oh yeah, just put on a bit of weight. <laughs> I know. Well, there are those, those are rare. We do have one friend who didn't know until she was yes. in labour, but it is pretty rare. So yeah, <laughs> I think it's um yeah. But you know, like as you said, it worked out well because you had a really accommodating manager, and I think that is absolutely yeah. the key. If you're in the right workplace, and if you do have the ability to plan, um, yeah. then you can choose a good workplace and a good environment. It's where um, you don't get support from a manager that it can make things really tough. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, so what I'd love to talk about now is obviously with your with your experience and your background, what are you finding are the main challenges that women are facing when they are returning to work? And can you provide some of those practical tips that you're talking about that are also in your book? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the biggest thing and the biggest frustration that I have mm. is that someone goes off on um, parental leave and the employer sends a bunch of flowers to the hospital and they leave the new parent um, mm. alone and, you know, obviously that's nice at the start because you just want to focus on working out what the hell you're doing with your <laughs> child. <laughs> but the amount of parents that come to me and say, the last I heard from my employer or my manager was when they sent me flowers to the office and mm. it's been six months or seven months or 12 months and, um, you know, I'm getting increasingly anxious. And and I say I'm frustrated by that because I'm frustrated on both angles. Like yes. I think obviously there's um, keeping in touch provisions under the Fair Work legislation. So it's actually the law for an employer to keep in touch with the employee oh. whilst they're away. Is yeah. It? So it's, it's, yeah, and it's surprising because the um, okay. employer... Yeah, well, the employer associations did not dispute that because they thought, well, this is actually a good thing for the employers to be doing. Mm. So basically, if there's any major change in your workplace, like um, a restructure, even just a change in where your desk is going to be located okay. um, or new technology is introduced, for example, um, and we say even go further than that, if you've got any kind of team events like a team conference or even the Christmas party, mm. your obligation as an employer and manager is actually to keep in touch with your staff even during pregnancy or parental leave. Mm. Um, but I also think that um, the obligation goes both ways and I certainly know that the the parents that I know that have been the most successful in negotiating the flexible work arrangement that they want are the ones that did keep in touch and that didn't just take a huge amount of time away from the office and expect to come back in 12 months and for everything to be the same and for them to get whatever they wanted when they returned. Yeah. Um, you know, they're the ones that drop in and touch base with their team maybe once a month, once a fortnight, or make sure that they're 
keeping abreast of, um, you know, sector changes or industry changes, um, people that they don't just fall off the, the face of the planet, they, they stay really involved. And I can appreciate, you know, a recovery from a birth is, is something that you do need to give yourself time to, to heal and to, you know, sort of get it, get your head around what it means to be a new parent. But I think at the same time, you've also got an obligation to make sure that you're keeping that seat at the table that you've worked really hard to achieve and to get. And I think one of the the ways that you can do that is to is to keep in touch. So I guess, you know, the struggles that I see are around um, parents not being able to negotiate the flexible work arrangements that they want. And I think a lot of that stems to not having started the conversation early enough and not having kept in touch. Because, for example, if you are really in touch with what's happening in your workplace whilst you're on parental leave, that might actually change the actual arrangement that you request. So, for example, if you know that there's a restructure and that there's no longer, your team's no longer doing something, then that might have implications on the work that you request to do when you return. Mm -hmm. And if you can sort of preempt some of those issues or some of those changes, you're not going to get a rejection from your manager. You're going to get a, hey, let's talk about um, what it might look like before I even put in an application, um, at which point you're much more likely to be successful in getting your arrangement approved. Um, and I think that's, you know, certainly a learning for me was mm. um, to to kind of be, t- I should have talked to my replacement, who's, who's now my boss, who, you know, I helped appoint, who's been amazing, and I should have talked to her much earlier about what she thought could have worked. Mm-hmm. So rather than me say, hey, can I try X, Y, Z, I should have asked her, what do you think would work? And then based on that, I could actually preempt problems in my application or I could predict um, some, you know, some solutions, I guess, that Mm. I should have put into my application. So, you know, I was lucky in that I didn't have to go through a formal process, but I think if you are sort of preparing to have that discussion, if you can talk about it and ask a whole range of questions rather than put in a demand, that's always a better way to sort of get what you want. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. And with your book, like it's really focused on the parents being proactive. So what you were talking about, like initiating those conversations and keeping in touch from, I guess, the employer's end as well, or the employee's end, sorry. Um, But what are you seeing then on the other side? What are the gaps um, that are coming through from the workplaces? What what are they not doing well? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, it's, Managers and employers still mm. valuing bums on seats. Yeah. And that's really disappointing because particularly like parents, but particularly mothers have been proving for years now that they can achieve enormous output in short periods of time. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily now because of technology, you don't have to have a bum on a seat to actually be able to pr- achieve output. So I think the biggest issue for me is, and this is particularly in professional services, sort of the area that I work in, but I think mm. um, a lot of employers are still valuing input, not output. And if yes. we can sort of reframe what do you want me to achieve mm-hmm. and that be the first part of our discussion as opposed to what hours are going to work, yes. <laughs> then, yeah. Then I think we, yeah, then I think we can actually see a huge range of women actually returning back into the workforce. And mm-hmm. like the economical, um, you know, the, the figures are there that show us that if we can break down the barriers and help people return 
to work, um, particularly women, we can actually um, massively increase the size of the Australian economy. So there was a 2012 report that said by removing disincentives for women to enter the paid workforce, that would actually increase the size of the Australian economy by about $25 billion per year. Oh, my per God. Per year. Oh, my and goodness. I know. And I go to all these, like, economic forums where all these men sort of there talking about how can mm. we improve the manufacturing sector or how can we make sure that we're keeping retail in Australia. And I always put my hand up and say, how can we actually improve Australian workplaces for women? Because if you can do that, you're going to, the reports and the, and the data shows us, you're going to be increasing the Australian economy by tens of billions of dollars per year. Like that's, it's just a no brainer. So I think that's the big thing for me is that employers need to be thinking, how can we actually, the first starting point should be, what's the, what's the output we're trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. And then it's up to the employee and employer to work out how that's achieved. And if we can, mm-hmm. if we're hiring the right people, we should be trusting them to go away and do the job. If we're not hiring the right people, of course, we have to micromanage them and we have to have them in the office and we have to look at what they're doing because they're not the right people. But if yeah. we can actually, yeah, if we've got the right people for the right jobs and we're focusing on the output, then it really shouldn't matter who's sitting at a seat and when. So I think that's probably the biggest gap. Yeah, and, you know, and just talking on that point about the hours, I guess that's part of the workplace culture too um, that we're seeing, especially in corporate, that people think working longer hours and being seen to be working back you know, that you're working harder and we all know that that's not really the case and you're not really being mm. um, efficient, but it is very entrenched in the culture, isn't it? So true. Yeah, it's so true. And, like, I mean, I was certainly, um, you know, that person when I had no children <laughs> and had no life and was trying to get ahead in my young mm. years and and I do think it would be a way to fast-track my career. But, you know, I burnt out within, you know, yes. two or three years because you just you have to have balance mm. and you have to have a life. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's absolutely we need to change that culture. And we've got some really amazing um, people in leadership now in Australia mm. that are coming out and this whole concept around leaving loudly. And I think if men are doing it, it's particularly powerful. So if we have, like, a CEO male who says, hey, team, I'm leaving at four today to go across yes. my son's club well then of course it's going to make other people feel empowered to also work flexibly so I think we need you know more of that from the top down and mm-hmm. certainly I sort of feel like I've experienced something you know from I know is is rare and I've, I've been able to be um mentored and, and given flexible work in a way that I feel very privileged mm-hmm. so I certainly feel that my role now is to try and make sure that if there are other people in the in my team that want to work flexibly that they can and it's not just those people that have children it's people that um everyone everyone that like, yeah. you know, my friend my friend Emma just wrote a book saying the tracksuit economy and like people there's some people that just want to work in their tracksuit pants some days and <laughs> why shouldn't that be okay and there are other people that want to do with we had someone in our team who was a um semi-professional athlete like that he was a long distance runner that takes mm-hmm. a lot of time so you know yeah. it's like looking at how can we help him achieve both goals um so, yeah, I think it's it's imperative upon the leadership to also think about how they can be um, demonstrating from by example and, and helping um, flexible work filter down from the top. That's such a great point. I'm actually wearing my hoodie right now, so I'm very comfortable. <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm heavily pregnant, so I'm wearing leggings. <laughs> leggings are life when you're pregnant, aren't they? <laughs> oh, seriously, I cannot fit into anything else. <laughs> 
there you're, you're on the home stretch <laughs> actually when people listen to this they're probably going to have to jump over to your socials and have a look you probably would have had the baby by now <laughs> oh that's that's exciting thought yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um okay now i really want to know there'll be so many people out there who will have an area of expertise or they really want to help people with um you know what they do and they want to write a book so i'm mm-hmm. really really curious to know what that process is actually like like how do you get that off the ground and running and what are the learnings that you had because i'm sure it wasn't an easy process yeah i feel even like a bit of a fraud answering this question okay i feel you know like i've basically taken the easy road which is um rather than struggle to find a publisher Mm. i thought i've already written the book so i'm just going to self-publish and now obviously we've got um amazon and we've got ebooks so there is this amazing ability for authors to self-publish um and i read a statistic that in australia the average author earns fourteen thousand dollars a year so (laughs) you know i want to preface it by saying i wouldn't encourage anyone to um think that it's going to be a way out of their their day job it's certainly something that i haven't earned earned money from but um basically i think the first step is to write something so you Mm -hmm. need to have um either like whenever i started pitching the idea to someone and they'll be you know writer friends or publisher friends they want to see um definitely an index so a bit of a step-by-step of what the book's going to how it's going to be structured and what it's going to look like mm-hmm. and then they want to see a sample of a chapter so you definitely need to have the structure so the plan the different chapters and then I would say at least one or two actual chapters written so that anyone that is going to be interested can actually look at your writing and I think for me it was really important that I actually have finished the book because I needed to actually demonstrate to myself that I could do it. <laughs> so I would, say to, I would say to anyone, if you do want to write a book, write it and then work out the details after you've done that because by far the hardest bit is actually just writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, how, long, how long did that take you actually? Well, it wasn't that long because I guess it's something that I do every day. So it's not mm-hmm. like I was writing a fiction piece, which I, I just think fiction writing is the hardest thing ever because I'm a lawyer, I've probably got no imagination. But... <laughs> But, you know, this book kind of tumbled out of me because I was writing as I was breastfeeding, as I was experiencing this process. And I've been, I've been a lawyer now for 11 years, so it kind of just came together. But it took about three months um, doing that sort of every night after work. So it is something that will take, you know, a long time. And I think even the most professional authors um, that exist out there you know, like one or two pages might take seven days for it to be done Mm. properly. So, you know, it's very time consuming. But once you do it, I think um, if you do want to get a publisher, I've been contacted by a few authors who are other women um, Mm. through social media and they've been amazingly generous in saying to me, you know, you've done this book, it's great, but to actually get it out there, you should get an agent. So, I think once you've got a book and you sort of, or at least a draft, it would be a good idea. There's an organisation called the Australian Literacy Agent Association and it's, you can find it online and they basically list, and there's not that many publishers, but they list the publishers that you can contact and then the, the publishers are on there and they specifically tell you how they want you to contact them. So I haven't gone down that path yet, but I certainly had a look at the website and um, some of them say that they want to see a draft chapter some of them say that they want the whole manuscript sent in hard copy mail they all have different um 
areas of interest and areas of expertise. So it's sort of important for you to have a look at who are the publishers out there and do they publish nonfiction? Do they publish fiction? You know, all of what genres do they publish? So I think that's a really good um, tip and something that I would look at doing next time. Um, but then once you sort of got your book, if you did want to self-publish on Amazon, there are some really cost-effective and affordable um, ways in which you can create your own ebook. And Amazon, particularly Amazon Kindle, has a whole range of guides that people can look at. Um, but basically, I um, decided not to try and be tech savvy when I'm not, and I decided to pay someone. <laughs> I decided to pay a graphic designer who um, he just basically learned and taught himself the actual um, how how the book needed to be pulled together so that it could be published on Amazon. And I think I paid him oh like two and a half grand for example I just, mm. it depends on how long your book is and what you want it to look like but um so that you know that that's part of it and then I also paid for a professional editor because I knew that the editing was really important and I had a contact mm. through work that I could use so but that's another cost um and then obviously on top of that you've got photography so I think the best books even if it is an ebook are ones that are broken up with a whole range of images or at least some kind of photo story, mm-hmm. um, particularly for non-fiction, obviously. So, um, yeah, so photography was another um, sort of cost on top of that. Um, and in relation to learnings, you know, I think, um, as I said, my friend Emma has published Tracksuit Economy and, like, she's done things um, a lot more <laughs> economically than me. So, um, you know, if you are tech savvy, then obviously you could look at not having to, to pay so many professionals. but um, yeah, I'm pleased with the end result. So, and then you, you just basically upload it on Amazon and thank goodness for my husband who was able to help with that. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's even guides on like what prices you should put. And if you put the prices that they recommend, you get a certain amount of royalties. And then I think it's every few months Amazon sends you um, the royalties that you've earned. So, um, yeah, and I think it's been really interesting too watching um, – Emma Isaacs from Business Chicks. She oh, yes. just published her first book. And, um, you know, like you look at people that do it properly and obviously she's got, she's got a publisher, but um, if you look at how she's used social media to get it out there and she did a, a pre-order, which I was just too lazy to do, people did ask me to do it. But, you know, like I think there's a whole, it's an art form. So if you want yes. that to be your job and you want to make a real impact, there's so many tips that you can use just by following other people that have gone before you. Um, and, um yeah, but I think if you do have a publisher or an agent, you can get a lot more exposure. But, yeah, social media is obviously a, a really amazing tool to get, a, to get a book out there. And I think, too, if you're going to do a book like Emma Isaacs has, she's hasn't just written a book for the sake of writing a book. She's obviously got a really clear strategy around it. And, it was, again, it was something because this was just a bit of a passion project of mine, I didn't really have a strategy. And I think, you know, second time around and if I've, having the second baby and then, mm. then the kids kids will go to school so there might be a second there might be a second <laughs> book but um if I did it again you know it's I think it's really important to say well what's the purpose of me writing it so am yep. I writing it so that I can get um to, I, I can get new clients for my coaching business or am I writing it to build my personal brand and if that's the case do I need to have a personal stylist do I need to have a, an actual website set up so that people can learn more about who I am as a brand do I need to have a blog am I writing the book for um my perfect to further my professional um abilities as a lawyer or whatever you are mm. um and if so how how does this book feed into what I do so I think it's 
the clever people do a whole strategy around it and the book is just one part of that process. So, um, yeah, that's something I certainly think about more next time. Yeah, the whole process sounds so interesting. And you've got it on Amazon and also hard copy. What was it like when you saw your book for the first time? Oh, it was so amazing. It was so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So Amazon in Australia Mm. will let you list your ebook, and then Amazon US would let me, used to let me list my hard copy. So that was really exciting in that because people basically said because it's a a guide and people, I think a lot of people want to share the information around. Like, for example, I've had a lot of businesses buy it for their workplace library, which is really cool. So they want the hard copy. And the problem with um, being in Australia and having Amazon as the publisher is that um, the US Amazon has now stopped um, shipping hard copy to Australia because of the, the, the new GST issue that arose. Mm-hmm. So um, basically I had to print I printed I think 100 or 200 copies hard copies myself and that's quite expensive in Australia to do so you're you know you're stumping up cash to pay for something that you're not yet sure is being sold whereas obviously if you can do it by Amazon they print a demand so they take on that risk um so I had to print yeah a certain amount myself and people were just requesting the hard copies um in increasing amount so that was a really interesting learning and then um luckily I was I have a contact who works for a social enterprise publishing house and so they have now said that they will actually store and ship my book for me, which is just so amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, again, I, I actually don't earn any money from that. It's the only um, royalties I would get is from the ebook on Amazon and it's a very <laughs> small amount. But um, it's for me it's more exciting to be getting it out there and, yeah, having the hard copy um, in my sticky hands and being able to show people is, is so exciting. Yeah, I can imagine. Here's here's my other baby. Yeah. (laughs) This is the baby that came from my annoying first baby. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And so you don't think you you haven't planned a second book just yet? No. I mean, I think for me it's going to be about I really need to feel passionate that I've got something to say um, and to get out there. But, you know, I think there will be another one. Um, but yeah, just not anytime soon. I think I'll have my second baby first and then work out (laughs) what's next. (laughs) Awesome. Do you know what you're having? Yes, I'm having another boy. So that's exciting. Yeah. He's very healthy, which is good. That's great. That's great. I'm a boy mama too. Yes, I know. Like, I really wanted a girl, so I cried for about a whole weekend. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what? They're, my two boys are completely different. Like, they're just their personalities. Like, even though, you know, mine's only the second one's just above, they're just so completely different. So yeah. it, it doesn't feel like it's the same thing over. It's just yeah. a completely different person with their own little personality. Um, and I got to, you know, use all the clothes that I actually didn't put on my first child <laughs> because I was yeah. waiting for the special occasions that, that uh, came yeah. that I didn't leave out. <laughs> um, so I finally was like, I actually have a lot of new clothes that I never got to put on them. So it's great. <laughs> yeah. I'll still just have to, I'll just have to buy lots of nice fun things. I think for yeah. me, it was just, I'm really close to my mom and yeah. I think, you know, there's a special thing with, um, 
the mother-daughter relationship. But my sister keeps saying to me, Catherine, it's got nothing to do with gender. It's got everything yeah. to do with the child and the relationship you have. And I think that's really true. So yes. as I said, I'm over it now. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just one last thing. I just want to ask, oh, you've created something for the Motherhood Melbourne community. Could you just yes. tell us what that is? Yeah, of course. So, um, you know, I think it's a really fantastic thing that, um, you asked me to pull together, Holly, and I think hopefully it's um, helpful, but I put together my top recommended resources for new parents. So obviously there's my book, but also <laughs> uh, there's a whole range of um, free information templates and resources that I found at a range of different um, organisations that now provide services to both businesses but also employees who are you know, in that situation that I guess I've envisaged in my book. So there's Circle In and I've actually done some video content for Circle In um, recently and they're doing some amazing stuff. But I just cannot believe every time I go to their website, everything is for free. All their resources are there. I'm actually going to use one of their um, agreements this weekend. There's an au pair agreement that they've got up there. They're all for free. Definitely recommend joining the community. Absolutely. They're so then, lovely. Yeah, they're just lovely women. <laughs> And then there's another organisation called Grace Papers um, mm-hmm. and they've been around for a lot longer. They've got some fantastic resources available as well. Um, and then the other thing that I get asked all the time because obviously people are feeling frustrated with their current employer not providing them with flexible work, mm-hmm. we've now seen this massive boom in flexible work recruiters. So these are businesses specifically set up to test an employer's appetite for flexible work before they take them on as a client. And then when they take them on as a client, they know it's we actually really believe in flexible work and we're committed to actually to really providing someone with yeah. flexible work. So there's Beam Australia, Working Mothers Connect, Just Mums Recruitment, Flex Careers, Work 180 and Puffling, which is a new one which actually specialises in job share arrangements. So they match women who want to job share. So um, I think all those organisations are really cool. So I've put in a whole list of where you can actually get a flexible work recruiter. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some of the legal stuff like where you can find information like this, a fair work ombudsman, they've got resources for parents and families. There's also some dad resources that I've listed. There's mm-hmm. some government ones, but also um, this fantastic new service called SMS for Dads. And I just found that um, with my husband, he's a bit of an introvert. He wasn't going to any kind of dad-specific groups, mm-hmm. but, but he did want to reach out and he's kind of a tech person. So having this SMS service and there's also dad Dadvice, which is a Beyond Blue um, platform, and that's all around video content, but you can also do instant chat and instant message. And that was really helpful for us when I kind of threw Brendan in the deep end when I went back to work at three months and said, here's the baby, good luck to you. And he was really <laughs> home and obviously would not do that in retrospect, but um, it was so good for me to be able to have like this online community, even if it wasn't a face-to-face community. So I've put in some um, resources there. And then there's also two podcasts that I just wanted to mention, apart from your amazing new podcast. Um, <laughs> there's, two, there's two that I've spoken on, which are specifically on flexible work. So oh, there's great. one called chewing the fat on flexibility and that's just a really lovely chat between two um, HR professionals that talk to a whole range of different people doing things differently and then there's also the juggle podcast which um, also has a Facebook community and they are just all amazing parents that doing the juggle and living the juggle and um, I've actually learned so much from the two women that run it so yeah there's some resources that I'd recommend. Oh my goodness thank you so that's an amazing list I had a look through all of it and clicked on um, 
so many of them. So I thank you for putting that together. And that will be available for free for people to access on the show notes of this podcast episode. So anyone who's interested in finding out more information can jump over there um, and obviously check out your book. And where can they find that? So you said Amazon Australia. Do they just type in, let's make it work, baby? Or is it... Yeah, that's right. They'll be able to find it that way. And okay. I'm also on um, Instagram at Let's Make It Work Baby and I share yeah. heaps of tips. I'm trying to be good and do at least <laughs> one, one to three posts every day with like lots of tips. And I think, you know, again, you have to really give to receive. So I'm trying to share heaps of information on that um, on Instagram. I, I do have a Facebook account, but I've got to admit I'm much more Instagram friendly. So yeah, <laughs> over there, um, yeah there's links to the book and, and where you can purchase a hard copy as well. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for talking um, on the podcast today. Uh, Congratulations on your book and I wish you the best with your second bub. (laughs) Thank you so much, Holly, and thank you so much for your work. Again, like for Melbourne mums, we're just so privileged to have you in our community. Oh, (laughs) you're so sweet. Uh, Okay, bye. I had a ball chatting with Catherine and I hope you've walked away entertained, inspired and informed. That hot list of resources that Catherine has created is over on motherhoodmelbourne.com.au. Just head to the podcast section and find this episode to snap it up for free. Once you've grabbed it, stick around and explore my site, which is created for you, Melbourne Mama. On there, you'll discover a calendar filled with events that are mama friendly. Yep not kid-friendly, mama-friendly. So get your eyeballs over to that and lock in a date with your mama pals and let your mum bunt down. Okay, that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging out with me. 